Hear the word of God from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward us, to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we, are, how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let us pray. God of might and mercy, you bring us to new life each day and nurture us in your tender love. Keep us far from sinfulness that our lives may be a blessing to you. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to my home office. Uh, some people have sent a note and asked about the pictures in the background. And yes, it's true that is my family when I was a young child, and that's me on the far right. Uh, and then that is a picture of Sophia and me um, a little over a year ago on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, we had that picture taken when we went out for dinner, and uh, Sophia had that enlarged for me. And then the one in the middle, that's my dad when he was about 18 years old. So. Uh, you can see that he and I look alike, especially when I'm without a beard. Uh, you can definitely see the family resemblance. So just a reminder that we will continue to meet on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock and Wednesday afternoons around 5. I'll be doing a devotional. I'll also be looking into the possibility of linking into Zoom. And if I do a Zoom session, 
then I will send the link out to the church email list. And if you're interested in joining that church email list, uh, just private message me here at uh, Facebook and I will connect you so that you can receive that. And that way we can do more interaction. We'll have a more opportunity to see who is in the uh, conversation and we can ask questions and take prayer requests and things like that. So that's what we're looking for for Wednesdays. And we may put that at a little later once maybe the kids are in bed. So uh, we'll look at that as a possibility. If kids go to bed anymore, I don't know. Um, I want to thank everyone who has watched the previous videos and uh, putting up with me and with so many pastors who are struggling to kind of recognize that uh, we have all now become tele-evangelists uh, speaking to screens rather than to people. Uh, it's just a different time of life. I did see an article earlier this week of one vicar in England who had lit three candles to symbolize the Trinity during his online uh, live stream. And uh, as he was talking, he leaned his head over and caught himself on fire. So uh, we are all <laughs> struggling to do the best we can. Uh, at First Presbyterian, we're also working towards adding music. Uh, you'll see that I left a upload of a video uh, that is after this uh, message in the feed of First Presbyterian Church Facebook, and so I would encourage you to watch it afterwards. Uh, we're also working with our section leaders in regard to uh, recording songs and publishing them here on Facebook, so hopefully that will be coming soon. Today, we're talking about forgiveness, and the scripture reading for our talk today is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Um, Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21, and I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? <laughs> Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him of the debt. But the slave, as he went out, came upon his fellow slave, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. 
Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a fundamental characteristic of the Christian faith. Seems like a good topic uh, right now since we're living in what I called forced community um, or maybe forced isolation. But when I was a choir director, I did youth choirs and I would take uh, youth choirs on tour. And I took as many from 30 to 60 kids on youth choir tours. And we would get on a bus and we would travel for up to two weeks all across the Western United States. We even went to Hawaii one time. We went to Mexico one time. We went into Canada one time. Those choir tours were crazy because you would start the trip, everybody's upbeat, everybody's happy, but within no less than two days, people started to really get on each other's nerves. And the nice person that everybody projected to each other, uh, suddenly that niceness was stripped away day after day, and you started to see people for who they really were, and sometimes a little grumpy, and sometimes a little angry, and sometimes a little short-tempered. Uh, and I got thinking about that in regard to our current situation, when we're living in homes with family members that we generally get along with, but we also have times where we can step away from each other and get some reprieve. And right now that's not happening for many people. Uh, it's one thing when you can see the person in the morning, say goodbye, spend the day separated, and then see them at night and say, hey, let's catch up with the day. But when you're living with each other 24 hours, seven days a week, uh, no reprieve, it can get to be a lot. I started reading some of the comments that people were making about being with their spouses. Um, and one of the comments that I loved was, uh, I had no idea that he spoke with an octave lower voice when he uh, was speaking to people at the office, at home. It, he has an office voice. He speaks an octave lower. Who is this man? Um, and they start using words and phrases that are very unfamiliar at home. Like one woman said, my husband uses the term brain dumps all the time. I've never heard that before, but I hear him say it on the phone all the time. Uh, another quote I liked was, sitting indoors all day can be tough, yes, but it's even tougher when you're in a small cramped apartment and the absolute loser who days ago you were convinced you loved unconditionally won't stop chewing loudly on the end of his stupid freaking pen. <laughs> and for those, uh, those families who are parents with kids, uh, I've read so many comments um, from I'm ready to strangle them to I'm ready to expel them to uh, I just said this to my child. Yes, you will do that. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't be here. I gave you life and I can take it away. 
uh, to, I think my favorite quote from a parent was, it seems unfair that the people who want to go to bed have to put the people to bed who don't want to go to bed. Uh, I think that's pretty normal in normal life, but it's just magnified in this current situation. Uh, we're all a little bit at each other's throats, uh, so I guess the topic of forgiveness is a good one to talk about today. Uh, another word for forgiveness is mercy. And that's one reason I read Psalm 103, because it talks about God's mercy. If you Google um, Bible verses that mention God's mercy, you will find dozens of passages. God's mercy is never ending. God's mercy for us never ends. And it says so over and over in the Bible. Um, now, remember, there's a difference between mercy and grace. And a lot of times people use the word grace when they actually mean mercy. So let me remind you, mercy is not receiving a punishment that we deserve. And grace is receiving a gift that we do not deserve. So mercy, not receiving punishment, grace receiving a gift. So just keep those differences in your mind. And our God is a merciful God. Uh, but it would be limited to say that and only that about our God, because our God is also uh, a righteous God and a holy God. And so the story that we read today offers us several lessons. First of all, it teaches us who God is, Secondly, it teaches us who we are. And thirdly, it teaches us how we should act based on how God acts with us. Now, I love this story. I love most of the stories with Peter because Peter is such a funny guy. He's so relatable. He's so earthy. Uh, he's so much like me and so many of the people that I work with. So that's why I've done this sermon series um, through the eyes of Peter, looking at the Gospels that highlight the stories of Peter, the disciple and the apostle. And so we get to this story and Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister? And, and he says, seven times? Now, when he says seven times, that's kind of, he's trying to one-up the Pharisees because the Pharisees all say three times. You should forgive someone up to three times. After three times, you don't need to forgive that person anymore. But Peter is going way above what the Pharisees say, he thinks, by saying seven times. And, and Jesus just blows him out of the water and says, no, you should forgive them 70 times seven. 70 times seven. That's a, a whole lot more. Um, now, the number seven is very important in the Bible. We read about it often in the Old Testament, six days of creation, and then the seventh day, God rested. Uh, we hear about the seven years that Jacob had to work in order to marry Rachel. And then he worked seven more after the marriage. Pharaoh had a bad dream and Joseph came and talked to him and said, uh, interpreted this dream and said, this dream tells us that you will have seven years of prosperity, seven fat years, if you will. And then you will have seven years that are lean uh, or where their drought will occur. So plan up and take... Uh, preparation for that. There's also seven branches on the original uh, menorah in the temple. There's uh, seven priests blew seven trumpets as they walked around the, the uh, village of Jericho seven times. Um, 
And then the feasts are tied to seven as well. Passover, the Festival of Weeks, the Festival of Tabernacles are all tied to sevens. And, uh, and then if you jump to the New Testament and look at Revelation, there are seven churches and seven angels and seven seals and seven vials. All these things are connected with seven, the number seven. And of course, last week we talked about the Sabbath and how the Sabbath is a week long. And that became the, the marker for, uh, for rhythm in the life of people in ancient times. And then uh, seven years, we talked about last week, how six years you were to work the land and the seventh year you were to take, take that uh, year off as a, as a time of rest for the land. Uh, and then, of course, the Jubilee Festival that took place, which was seven years times seven. So it was 49 years. And then at the 50th year, everyone was to be restored to their original status. All debts were to be forgiven. Everything was meant to be leveled out. So that's a seven times 70. Uh, but in general, the symbolism of seven is that it means completion and perfection and abundance. And so this idea that seven symbolizes completion and abundance and perfection. And so maybe when Peter came to Jesus and said, how about how many times should I uh, forgive someone up to seven times? He's kind of tying into this idea of completion or perfection. Um, I think he was just trying to impress the teacher. And so uh, we would have called that in our day, he was sucking up, basically. He wanted Jesus to say, wow, Peter, you are really, you're above the Pharisees because the Pharisees say three times, but you say seven times. Um, but, but Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't even say seven times 70, which would be 49, which would kind of make sense in context of that Jubilee idea. But Jesus multiplies it greatly. Um, now, a side note, some, some translations say 77 times, but the Greek actually says 70 times 7. So I would take that to mean 70 times 7. I would not say 77 times. Uh, 77 times is a bad translation. So Jesus says to Peter, 70 times 7. Um, that's like saying, uh, you, should, you should forgive this person completion times completion to the 10th degree, or perfection times perfection to the 10th degree, or abundance times abundance to the 10th degree. That's how much you should forgive. Um, now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Jesus was saying, uh, he wasn't being literal here. He wasn't saying uh, you should forgive somebody 490 times, but on the 491st time, you should say, nope, we're done right? Um, do you ever feel that way, though? Do you feel like God is keeping a tally? Good things, bad things. Good things, bad things. And we're just kind of hoping, praying that uh, our good things outweigh our bad things, because if they the bad things outweigh the good things, then maybe we don't get into heaven. But that's not the way God works, right? God does not work. He's not Santa Claus. He doesn't have a naughty and nice list. He, he uh, bases our salvation not on our works, but on his mercy and his grace and his salvation. Um, but we have a tendency to take a tally, don't we? We kind of keep things numbered. Um, 
this story speaks more to God's character than to our character. It speaks more to who God is. Uh, our God is a merciful God. Our God is a forgiving God. The idea of God's mercy is not that it's limited. God's mercy is unlimited. There is no end. It is perfection times perfection to the nth degree. Uh, it never ends. So in answer to that idea of uh, who is God, our God is a merciful God. Our God is a forgiving God. Uh, one of the reasons I put the song by Casting Crowns on the church Facebook page is because it, it says, as far as the East is from the West, it quotes from the Psalm 103 that I read at the beginning, as far as the East is from the West, so God has removed our transgressions from us. And when I saw Casting Crowns in concert, the lead singer said, you know, if you look at a globe and you begin going north, at some point, you will start going south. And if you begin going south, at some point, you will begin going north. But if you start going east, you will never come to a point where you start going west. And if you start going west, you will never go come to a point where you start going east. You will go west or go east for eternity. And that is how far God separates our sins from us. It is a never-ending distance. So in answer to that first question, God is a forgiving and merciful God. God's mercy knows no ending. Um, but it also recognizes who we are. Uh, we are sinful. This story reminds us that we have a debt that is owed. Uh, now, sin kind of a funny word. We sometimes sidestep it in our modern culture, but sin, uh, whether sins of action or sins of inaction, what we call sins of commission or sins of omission, uh, we all, according to Paul, all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Now, when I read that, I begin to understand for the first time that it's not so much me doing bad things or not doing good things. It's more about me falling short of the glory of God. Um, the Greek word for sin is hamartia, which basically means to miss the mark, like a, a shooting an arrow and trying to hit bullseye and you miss it. So we miss the mark of perfection. We miss the mark of holiness. We miss the mark of God's uh, perfect being and righteousness. We all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And the consequence or wages of sin is death. But we who have confessed our sins to God, uh, we are forgiven. And that's the beautiful thing. All have sinned. All fall short. We all understand that the wages and consequences of sin is death. Uh, we are recipients, though, of God's mercy. And so the second answer, the first answer is, who is God? God is merciful. God is gracious. The second question is, who are we? Teaches us who we are. 
that we are sinful, but we are forgiven. Our lives have changed. Uh, now, when we have unconfessed sin in our life, I, am, I feel that sin uh, festers inside of us. And uh, it's like an infection. And if we don't have that infection removed, it will affect us both in this life and the next. But if untreated, uh, sin will destroy us. But God treats it. God removes it. God cleanses us from all unrighteousness, takes all sins away, takes everything out of our lives, completely removes that debt or that consequence away from us. And we are set free, just like the servant in this uh, parable that Jesus told. This story reminds us who God is, but it also reminds us who we are. We are forgiven. We are made free. We are set free. But ultimately, it also teaches us of how we should respond to God's grace and mercy in our lives. God is forgiving, but God is also a righteous judge. And God will judge those who do not show mercy in the same way that it was shown to them. And so that's why Jesus told this parable. A king uh, begins to start to collect debts, and he has a servant come, and a servant owes way more than he can afford, and so he throws himself at the mercy of the king, and the king says, I will set you free of your debt. And then the man walks away and meets somebody that owes him a small debt, and he says, pay me back. And when the person throws himself at his mercy, uh, the other servant says, I am throwing you in prison. And so the other servants find out about this. They go to the king and say, this is what happened. And the king says, brings the servant into him and says, how can you do this? I forgave you this huge debt. And now you have gone out and not forgiven this other debt. How can you do that? Because you have done that, I am throwing you back in prison. So our God is a God of mercy, but he's also a righteous judge and uh, will not put up with us when we do not reciprocate. So it's so important for us to recognize this great weight that has been taken off of us and then to turn around and help to take the weight off of other people. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm one that has a tendency to keep a tally. So if somebody has wronged me, it's hard for me not to remember that wrong. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Um, in our world, you know, we, we say fooled once your fault, fooled twice my fault. So I'm not going to let people, uh, mess me up again. The Pharisees said three times. Peter said seven times. Jesus said 490 times. Now I'm, I just wonder if Peter went away and started keeping a tally on James and John. I'm going to, okay. John's up to 392. I, I, I got 98 more before I, I call him out, um, and, and keeping that ledger of how many times people have wronged you. Uh, reminds me of the story, I, I've told it in church before, but uh, of the farmer, young farmer who is uh, fixed up for a marriage. He goes and he marries this young bride and they have the wedding at the church. And they, this is a long time ago. They get into their carriage and they start uh, leaving the church and the horse stumbles and the, the farmer says, that's one. And then they get back out onto the road and, uh, the horse stumbles again, and the farmer says, that's two. And then they finally get out to the farm, and they're almost to the house, and the horse stumbles again. And the uh, farmer says, that's three. 
And he gets out, pulls his rifle out, and shoots the horse dead. And the young bride looks at him and says, well, how could you do that? That's, that's a perfectly good horse. I, what's wrong with you? And the farmer looks at her and says, that's one. So tallies. We have a tendency to take tallies and um, to keep a ledger of all the people that have wronged us and how many times they've wronged us. And, and we just kind of keep counting it up and we have this bank of uh, things that people have done against us. Now, I want to be realistic. Forgiveness does not mean that you forget. Forgiveness does not mean that you trust somebody 100% when they're not trustworthy. Uh, if somebody has cheated you, if somebody has wronged you, if somebody has um, stolen from you, it doesn't mean, oh, okay, well, why don't you take my car or something like this, borrow my car. It doesn't mean that you loan somebody $1,000 who has uh, not repaid you in the past. It, it means being smart, but you can forgive them. Uh, that's forgiving them of the debt that they owe you, but be smart. Um, so for us, this understanding of mercy, of this understanding of forgiveness, uh, pervades throughout scripture. Micah 6, 8, um, what does God require of you, but to love mercy, uh, to show justice and to walk humbly with our God. And Jesus tells the Lord's Prayer when the disciples say, how, how should we pray? And Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, da, 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 da. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, we Presbyterians, we like to talk about money, so we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, the Episcopalians, they're more worried about their, their property, so they say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What I find fascinating is that in this entire prayer, this prayer, this prayer that we could spend weeks discussing um, and, and kind of parsing out all the various ways this prayer teaches us, Jesus only focuses on one phrase, and that's forgiving sins, forgiving debts. He goes on at the end, he only elaborates on this one phrase and says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses. If we do not reciprocate God's mercy, God will no longer show mercy to us. It's exactly what this parable teaches us. God's mercy is never ending. There is a super abundance of that mercy, but that mercy should flow into us and overflow out of us to people around us. We should show that same forgiveness and mercy to those around us. So what do we do with all this? Well, first I want to encourage you to um, Go through an inspection of your life to look at your own lives. Even pray the prayer from Psalm 139 of uh, search me and know my heart. See if there be any wicked ways in me, Lord God, and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Take some time. We have time. That's one thing we have plenty of. Take some time to be introspective 
and search yourself and say, God, is there any wickedness in me? Is there any greed? Is there any selfishness that I need to confess and give over to you? Um, and pray for uh, confession and forgiveness. One of the things that drew me to the Presbyterian Church is that Presbyterians are confessional. We confess not only our faith, but our sins, and we do it in worship oftentimes. So is there one thing in your life that is maybe deeply troubling you or something from your past that has been hanging on forever? Uh, many of us have those sorts of things in our past, and they truly, they fester, and they affect how we are able to live in the present. Confess that sin. Give it up to God, and God will forgive you. Let him have it. And then secondly, receive God's forgiveness and accept God's forgiveness. Now, some people will say, you have to forgive yourself. I don't really buy that. Scripture never says forgive yourself um, because it's easy to say, I forgive myself. But what about the person that you've wronged? Um, I... I was hurt by someone recently and I let them know, hey, you know, when you did this, I, I got really hurt. And the response was, well, I'm sorry you got hurt. And I hate that <laughs> response. I'm sorry you got hurt means that it was my fault again, rather than saying, I'm sorry I did that. Um, and that made, and that caused you pain. That's a difference. That's a different way of responding to that. So for us, we need to confess our sin to God and then allow God to forgive us. First um, John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins to God, God is faithful and just and will cleanse us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He washes us completely clean. We don't have to worry about those sins anymore. And, and recognizing we sin against other people, but we also... In every sin, every time we hurt someone else, we are also hurting God. And we're hurting God's uh, testimony in the world because we, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are meant to show God's love to everyone. So when we don't, we sin against God. And that's why David, even after he had an affair and had the, the husband of the woman killed, um, still said to God, against you and against you only have I sinned. So uh, even though he sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah uh, and the people of Israel, he prayed, God, you are the one that I sinned against. And so we must recognize that any sin against a sister or brother is also and ultimately a sin against God. So we need to receive forgiveness and mercy from God as well. And uh, that's an important step for us. A third step for us is uh, that we confess as a people. Now, this was another reason I was drawn to the Presbyterian Church, because in my background, I'd always heard about confessing as an individual, and we're terrible people, and totally depraved, and all of those things, those good John Calvin types of things. But, um, but we didn't spend a lot of time praying as a body. Um, and I really appreciated when I came to the Presbyterian Church that it was not just for the individual sin, but also for the corporate sin, how we sin as a people, as a body, as a community, as a nation, as, as a world. Um, 
And so today, how far have we, as a community, as a nation, as a world, how far have we strayed from God? How, how much do we need to fall on our knees as a people and as a nation and pray for God's forgiveness? You know, oftentimes plagues in Scripture were a way of God getting our attention. And I don't want to say that God sent this plague upon us, uh, but I do think it's important for us to recognize that in times like this, we begin to look at life with different priorities. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to Amazon and purchasing fun toys to play with during this time because we don't know if we're going to be alive. Uh, we don't know how long our lives will be. And so during this time, it's a time of introspection, not only for us as individuals, but for us as a nation, um, and to consider how we might return to God. Uh, when we start to stare at our mortality, we reevaluate what's important in life. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So I believe it's important for us to focus our attention and confession as a people, as a corporate body. A fourth lesson we can learn is that the need to confess to others, to recognize our own acts that have caused uh, separation within our own relationships. It's a great time for us to be able to kind of think about, gosh, I used to have a great relationship with this person or with that person. For me, I'm going through a lot of pictures and kind of reorganizing um, a lot of things because everything got thrown in boxes and, and I have pictures from my babyhood as well as pictures from a graduation altogether. And I'm trying to get, and I start seeing these pictures of people and think, gosh, I haven't talked to this person forever. And sometimes uh, we left not maybe on good terms and and now I look back and think, well, gosh, I don't even remember what the argument was about, but I'd love to reconnect with this person. So, so take that time to offer that. And then maybe people who've forgiven you or who have hurt you in the past, um, consider the need to forgive them. Um, just as Peter talked to Jesus and said, how often should I forgive my brother or sister? So consider those people that have hurt you and how you might offer forgiveness. Uh, just pray to God and say, God, help me to forgive this person. I would highly recommend that you do not contact that person and say, by the way, I forgive you. Because a lot of people will be completely unaware of what you're talking about and become very defensive when you say that. But if you say, gosh, you know, I just feel like we haven't been as close as we've been in the past and so I want to reach out and say hi and connect with you. Uh, that might be a good thing. Or even send a note. I understand the post offices are still running, so those are all opportunities to reach out. Let them know you're thinking about them. Let them know that you, for, that you love them and you want to uh, renew that relationship. And that's what forgiveness is all about, right? Is renewal, uh, reconciliation, reconnecting, and reestablishing the relationship. We learn today our God is a merciful God and a forgiving God. 
We learn that we are a forgiven people, that you are forgiven, I am forgiving. Our debt is taken away, our debt is paid, our sins are forgiven, and we are set free from the weight, uh, from that festering sin in our lives. Um, I just pray that we allow this knowledge um, to make us merciful to others, to offer forgiveness to others, all for the glory of God. Amen. So, as part of our service for today, I had planned on having a confession. So, I am going to do that now. The call to confession is this. The acceptable offering to God is a poverty of spirit, a humble and contrite heart. This is the offering acceptable to God. It is the way back from our waywardness. Therefore, let us confess our sins, first silently, and then I will read one. So let us pray, and I will take a moment of silence so that you might offer your prayers of confession to God. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and beg for your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness. In your great compassion, cleanse us from our sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast your presence from us or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The remarkable assertion of Scripture is that where we willingly confess our need for God's forgiveness, even when we go on and on and on and on again to struggle with the sinfulness of our intellect and our will and our freedom, God forgives and urges us to live faithfully. This is the rhythm that brings us time after time to our need to confess it is the rhythm that allows us again and again to affirm the love of God in Jesus Christ and to declare his name, that our sin is forgiven and our life is restored. Thanks be to God. And before I do the charge and benediction, I just want to remind you to watch the Casting Crowns video after this. Go into the world in peace. Have courage. 
Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thanks for joining with me today. I hope you will do so again next Sunday. Uh, give me a call if you need to talk or if you just want to talk. I have plenty of time and uh, I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday as well. And again, I'll try to work on getting that to be a Zoom thing so we can do it in community. God bless.